Hi everyone. Talk racing to me with Naomi, a brand new episode. And I know you probably have heard just about everything there is to hear about the 2021 Breeders' Cup at Del Mar, but I promise you that you haven't heard this story. Now, it was a cold January evening, pitch black darkness, the grounds were covered in snow. It was the night Nick's go came into this world. Now, you know who can tell the story in much more detailed fashion? Well, guess what? His co-breeder, Sabrina Moore. She actually helped the Breeders' Cup Classic winner arrive uh, on this planet. She runs the roost at Cremount Farm, and I was very lucky to catch up with her in the middle of the sales in Kentucky. So, guys, get tied on. Sabrina, of course, I'm, I'm speaking to you off the back of a huge weekend. Uh, a weekend, I dare say, full of emotions. But let's start with where are you now? What are you doing right now? So I'm currently at Keeneland. Um, last night, we just got finished up with the Night of the Stars, and I was lucky enough to have a client um, trust me to send a horse through there last night. So we had a lot of fun. Um, work didn't stop till just about today. <laughs> um, yeah, and then now I feel like I can finally uh, sit down and just enjoy the whole weekend. And has it kind of sunken in yet that your horse, the horse you bred together with your mom, won the biggest race in the United States, the classic? Uh, when I got to Kentucky, it kind of did. Um, you know, of course, like, I think the adrenaline is pumping when you're in, uh, during the race and after the race. And um, even the day after, I mean, I think I was just like so exhausted. I didn't really have time for it to sink in. But um, seeing everybody at phasing and they were so nice and so kind and, uh, you know, all the congratulations and just everybody that was genuinely happy. And then when they took the Marin yesterday, they like gave me a shout out, which I was like so heartwarmed. I couldn't even believe they did that. I mean, like I love phasing so much. Um, they've really helped me like get off, you know, with my, um, my consigning and stuff. So for them to like take even the 10 seconds it took for them to say that on the biggest night of the year for them was just like so special. So yeah, it's, it, it's starting to sink in now. <laughs> Wait, what did they say? I, I wasn't there myself. So now I'd like to oh, know too. They were so sweet. So they brought in the horse and they go, uh, you know, oh, you know, do 14 because I'd buy, you know, Greenmount Farm. Then they were like, we'd like to uh, take a moment to congratulate Sabrina, who bred Nixco and the winner of, you know, the Breeders' Cup Classic this weekend. And, and that's all they said. But it was just so nice. Like, I mean, it, it was just, you know, completely irrelevant to the horse and everything. But like, they were just so kind to like, you know, just appreciate that and say that so it was really nice I wasn't expecting it at all and I was like in the back ring I was like oh my god that was so sweet <laughs> that is really lovely indeed like, yeah. I'm so glad they did that and much much deserved yeah they're such nice people they really care about their you know their customers and everybody that makes the show go around which I, I think that's the horse industry in general you know it takes a team so we all just have to appreciate each other yeah. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about last week, the, the week leading up to the Breeders' Cup mm -hmm. Classic. I know I saw you there. Um, <laughs> when did you arrive in California? Of course, Breeders' Cup was being held at Del Mar this year. Yeah, so we came um, Tuesday night. Uh, we got in probably about, 
it was almost 2 a.m. California time. So I have no idea. It was at 4 a.m. East Coast time. Um, you know, and then we woke up the next morning, went to the marquee. Uh, we just kind of kicked on with the whole weekend. Um, you know, Breeders' Cup is lovely being out there. There's so much to do and um, just going by and seeing all the really nice horses. It was it was really fun. And it was just nice to distract myself up until Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we were out there for quite a while, though. Did you go and ha- have a look at him beforehand? Say say hello to Brad, Brad Cox, the trainer? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, the backside is pretty tense, especially Breeders' Cup week, God forbid. Um, I try to leave everybody alone before the race. <laughs> so uh, they just don't want to get in anybody's way. And they have so much they're dealing with, with all the media and things. Um, you know, I just, the last thing they probably want to see is me back there wanting to pet the horse. So. <laughs> I just, I stay away. I'll, I'll see him when I pass him. But, um, you know, I, there was plenty of media coverage from, to make me feel like I was there anyways. Right. And, and you got, to, yeah, you got to see him on track as well. If you were, you know, on site in the morning. Yeah. Right? He's stunning. I was calling my little nephew every morning and FaceTiming him when he was going by. He's so sweet. But I mean, yeah, he, uh, he just covered that track like a monster, even in the morning. It's like, Every day that I would see him after that, I was just kind of getting more and more confident in him. I mean, he was just moving so well over it. He looked so good. I remember seeing him. He was, you know, he was a bit keen. He had the draw reins on, right? He was rearing to go. Like, I I agree with you. He was... Yeah, he was looking a million dollars. Let's talk about the the day of the race. Where were you watching it? And and did you go out to the paddock uh, beforehand? Yeah, so um, they we had really nice box uh, seats, like right at the wire. Um, it was freezing cold, of course. Um, I was just trying to, just I don't know. I mean, I was so nervous. I mean, I was just trying to watch the other races. I was trying to bet a little bit. I was trying to do everything but think about what was going to happen at five thirty. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, and it, it just came super quick. Um, but yeah, we did go in the paddock, and um, you know, it was really kind of interesting seeing essential and nicks go right next to each other it was just just felt like it was about to be like the biggest showdown you've ever seen or something um and i was feeling pretty confident in him and then when he walked out to the track i mean i just i had a good feeling about him all week and then when we watched the tote board i was like you've got to be kidding me and i was like maybe i'm just a little biased i don't know i was like <laughs> three to one like maybe yeah, he's not gonna win this race i don't know you know um but i mean as soon as he broke broke and he broke so well and he was hitting his typical fractions and nobody was up there with him I just kind of I, I knew I, I had a good feeling how the race was going to end up but yeah uh, well, the, to, yeah, yeah talk me really through the exciting. race because I thought the same thing as you when nobody went with him and nobody was really moving to pressure him I was like oof I, I think we know what, yeah, what's what here now I thought for sure that, well, it, I honestly had a mini freak out because I was watching, I was not watching them on the TV. I was watching down by the chute. So I saw him kind of step over on essential and I couldn't see how bad it was. I just saw that he just made a little bit of a, a step to the left. And then essential was like, you know, back a little. And I said, Oh God, I was like, please let that not be so bad. <laughs> as bad as I thought it looked through the, you know, watching it from hundreds of yards away. Um, but you know, he, like you said, I mean, he just broke sharp. He did his, you know, typical style. Like you said, I thought Medina was going to be right up there pressing him the whole time. And he just wasn't. Um, so, you know, he just got the trippy loves and, you know, the extra quarter didn't, or extra eighth didn't bother him. He just 
rolled on with it. So um, as soon as he hit the top of the stretch, though, and I saw the, that red shadow roll <laughs> kind of coming in, I said, oh, God, here we go. But, I mean, the horses just came to him, and he just kept going further away. So it was yeah, – I, I knew before he hit the – you know, well before he hit the wire that he had it, and I was just hysterical before he even crossed it. So – I was going to say, did you, did, was your heart racing? What was going through your mind? Um, I think I looked at the board at one point and I turned around and I said, I hope one of you guys bet this horse. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, somebody get out their cell phone. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, it's, I, I say it every time I like truly black out. And until I went back to the room, the champagne room and I was like, I got to watch this race again. I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I remember it happening and, about five seconds and not, you know, whatever he ran it in. But um, it's just, oh, it's a, it's a very weird feeling. You, It's a kind of like outer body. Like you're just not even there for it at all. You know, it's really interesting. But until you, I think you actually are in that moment, I can't even describe to you what it feels like. It sounds like a, a pretty good spot to be in, right? I mean, you bred this horse, you, you raised him, and then to see him move on to become such a superstar must be quite surreal in a way. Yeah, you know, and it's really nice too now you know, that they picked a place to send him to stand at stud and how people are really excited about him because, you know, I thought for a little bit, and, you know, there are some people that still have their doubts about the pedigree and things, but, I mean, everybody, you know, there's not much you can take away from him at this point. You know, he's accomplished what he has and, you know, I think one of the main things that people really appreciate is, you know, that he's running till he's five. Well, and now six if they take him to the Pegasus. And, um, you know, they're just like, he's such a sound, durable horse. And they're like, that's what kind of America racing is missing. You know, everybody kind of retires at three. And then you don't know what kind of horses they could be years down the road, too. So I think people are excited to see, you know, how he's developed and, you know, what potentially other horses that he produces could be like yeah absolutely it has been announced just now today that he will be standing for thirty thousand uh, dollars at tailor made yeah. that's where he's gonna get his start so yes I, I agree with you terrific how long he's been able to compete you know doing so well uh, once transferred to to the Bradcock stable and yes I oh my god I want to see him and life is good in the Pegasus oh, World God. Cup. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm more nervous about that race after seeing his, uh, he ran in the dirt mile, right? Yeah. The, after seeing that mile race to, after that, watching the, that Pegasus is going to be more nerve wracking than I think the classic. Because that horse, it's freaky fast. I think he's going to be able to give Nick's go run for his money for sure. I mean, that's going to be the showdown. I mean, incredible. Well, if it makes you feel better, Life is Good got a 109 buyer for the Dirt Mile and Nick's Go got a 112 yeah. <laughs> for the Classic. Of course, different distance mile and a quarter and a mile, but, you know, if it makes you feel a little right. bit better. <laughs> yeah, not too much. I don't know. Like we said, I mean, actually, I talked to Brad about this at the Whitney and I was just like, you know, what do you think, like, they would do if, like, somebody got past him? Like, do you think, he was like, I don't know. It's never happened. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good point so you know there's just that what if what if somebody could go with this horse or get ahead of him a little bit like he would still have that grit and like determination to run past one I don't know or if he will just quit and just be like well this is done you know I don't know it's there's there's still some question marks as many times that we've all seen him run you know yeah. um you just never know I mean it'd be yeah it'd be very interesting to see if he does get headed <laughs> early if that demotivates him right it, yeah exactly exactly 
Yeah. Well, I, I just to touch point back on what you were saying about, you know, how long he's been around, like British Futurity winner, um, aged two. I mean, incredible, right? How, how long yeah. he's been at the top of his game and then, you know, competing possibly as a six-year-old would be quite something for a stallion to boast. If he wins a grade one, age six as well would be, yeah, yeah. Would definitely set him apart. So Sabrina, you lease Green Mountain Farm um, in Maryland, and and that's also where, of course, Nick's doll was born and and raised. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how long your family has been in that place, and kind of you know what it means that raising thoroughbreds on that ground has resulted in a multiple Great One winner, who's really sort of the flag bearer now for Green Mountain Farm. Yeah, I mean it's uh, really special. You know, it's. Anybody knows it's really hard to make it in this industry, whether you have, you know, you're a billionaire or you're not. <laughs> I mean, of course, having money always makes it a little bit easier, but it, it's not, you know. I mean, really, it's, um, I call it a crapshoot most of the time, no matter how hard we try. Um, but it's, you know, there's a lot of luck on our side. And, you know, it's uh, been really surreal just, you know, off of my little farm um, to do that now. And then, you know, actually, coincidentally brad has another one of uh, a horse that i bred and she was just grade three place the other day and to think you know it's funny because i was thinking about moving and you know i'm like maybe i should get a bigger farm and you know maybe i'll even get one in kentucky and then yeah <laughs> and now i'm like man maybe there is some good juju around here i'm not too sure <laughs> but you know it, it it's just been surreal and um you know we all just work so hard and you know just even having horses when $5,000 claimers at Laurel, um, you know, makes my day. And, uh, so to have something run on this level is just truly unbelievable. Um, but it definitely makes the long nights and the early mornings a lot easier. I can imagine. Uh, let's discuss Cosmo's buddy. It's, uh, of course, mm -hmm. the dam of Nick's go. Uh, she could run a bit herself. She was a stakes winner. How did you come across her? And what's kind of the story of her ending up in your barn and in your relationship with her? Um, so uh, we had a good friend at the time who was a plus tech agent. And we were actually just breeding to race. Um, you know, we we're just getting some local horses, having fun with it, breeding on to, you know, local stallions. And uh, I had one horse in particular and had her with Tim Keith. And we got her all the way. It was like her breeze before the race. And she came up with a tendon and, I don't know, my mom and my grandfather were like, this kind of sucks. You know, they, that was kind of their first like fight at reality of like how much money you can actually spend and sink into one and just not even make it. Um, so we were kind of just looking at a different business plan and I was kind of looking for, you know, a direction to go in as far as, uh, you know, my future goes. And somebody had recommended, well, you know, why don't you guys start selling them? And, you know, there's actually the good business doing that and you can sign, you can breed, you know get him with the right horses. So he recommended that we claim Cosmos buddy. Um, so we did and got her out of that race and Marilyn Milling was coming up and we were still using Tim Keith at the time. So he uh, was training her and then, you know, she ran in the Marilyn Milling sprint. I can't remember what year that was. She's beat by Ben's cat though. So that was interesting. Um, wow. But it was kind of, yeah, it was fun. It was like our first, um, wasn't our first start as, uh, you know, with the racehorses ever, but, one of our first ones, you know, is in the Maryland Million Sprint, which is like huge, you know, even for a local owner, we were so excited. Um, but, you know, it was her time. We bought her, you know, with the intention of having her as a broodmare. So um, 
we retired her. She retired Sam. She's a really, really cool horse. And we just decided, you know, to start looking at commercial stallions. And that was kind of our first horse that we started to go in that direction for, you know, going to the sales and breeding the sell. And may, may I ask how much did you guys claim her for? Yeah, I think it was 40. They dropped her in an allowance up at, I feel like it was Monmouth. I remember exactly where I was and watching it on the TV. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think Don knew the owners and he said, you know, um, they were dropping her for a tag and they thought she was going to win. And, you know, they thought, you know, that, that was about what they wanted for her anyway. So if somebody was going to claim her and, um, they could get the purse money, then it was, you know, essentially a sale for them. So, um, it all worked out for everybody. It, it did. I mean, it seemingly did work out really well for you as well. Um, tell me about what she was like to work with and like as a dam. Yeah, so she, oh my God, she was one of, actually, Cosmo was one of my very first, I guess you would say projects. I mean, looking back on it, um, <laughs> I guess we were all, I don't know if we were just dumb or brave, um, but, you know, I've had horse experience, but I did barrel horses and things like that. Um, I hadn't worked at the racetrack yet. Uh, you know, I raised a couple babies, but nothing compared to the standard that I do now. Um, and you know, she was kind of my first horse that I've had to really let down <laughs> after the track, but we've learned together. She was really cool. She was super easy. Um, you know, she just never really turned a hair, um, you know, got her in full, super easy. She was a great horse to, you know, really just start off with. Uh, but her first full was um a little bit of a taste sort of reality for me because she was just not a great you know just those maiden mares sometimes can be a little tricky and it's a huge shock for them um so we spent a lot of time together with that first foal which was chanel number one um but she turned out to be a great mom she was such a great foaling mare um i looked forward to foaling her every year uh, she folded in the same stall every year and that was cosmo's stall <laughs> and she wasn't allowed to fold in any other stall and I swear she would wait for you to lay down for her water to break. Like she would not fold without anybody there. She was smart like that. Really? Or, or maybe I said, that's just me saying that, or maybe I just watched her like a hawk. Uh, but <laughs> possibly <she> never, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she, you know, some mares kind of wait for you to leave them alone. Like if you're there, they get kind of more nervous and fret a little bit and they don't want to lay down. And she just kind of would sit there and pace and pace and pace. And if you would go out with her, then she would lay down. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was you know, I went through how many with her, six or something. And it, the same thing every single time. So um, she was super predictable, but she was great. Didn't have to worry about her too much at all. Yeah, no, I saw that you had a, a couple foals with her. And I do believe you still have some of Nick's go siblings at the farm as well, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I got um, Pink Print. So she's by Not For Love. Um, she's Nick's goes half sister. Um, and then I have super buddy. So he was a super saver. Um, and he was actually, I guess he was with Jimmy Toner first and then he went to Ferris Allen and I had dibs on him for a really long time. I kept telling Ter Ferris since he was two, I said, I really want this horse back, please, please, please. Um, and then Nick's go kind of started taking off and then there started to become a line. Um, but Ferris was really nice and gave me first dibs on him and, Found him back at the farm, and he's just—we he, call him our mascot now. So, he's been a, a treat. Yeah, I remember meeting him. He was, you know, a lot of fun to be around, and he's also a gray like Nick's go. Mm -hmm. So that's always a, yeah. a lot of fun. Exactly. And could you 
recall the events of the night that Nick's girl was born. You have told me this story in the past, and well, it yeah. wasn't uh, it wasn't the most straightforward night, was it? No, it wasn't. It was pretty wild. Uh, you know, like I said, the foaling went fine, um, but then it, and I remember I think it was about ten or eleven o'clock, and my I saw my dad was calling me, and I was like, hey, "What the hell is he doing calling me this late?" And I answered, and it was his girlfriend. And my dad has a slew of health issues. Um, but, and actually <clears throat> he was on a, a lung transplant list when he, like during this whole time. So I thought maybe that's what it was. They were calling to say he got a lung or something. Uh, but he had a brain aneurysm. Um, and I, I didn't know people could have brain aneurysms and still live. So I thought if, like, I instantly just freaked out. Um, but she said, you know, they had a medevac him all the way to DC. And I was just like, I can't go. I, there's nothing I can do. And, you know, his girlfriend was talking me down. She's like, there's nothing you can do anyways. Just stay there. And um, I had my boyfriend at the time and a friend with me. And, you know, they were they were good at helping me through and just being a distraction. And But really, I mean, it was, it was pretty wild. I mean, thank God maybe that's why it happened when it did. It all silver lining. I had something to think about other than that. Um, but yeah, certainly a night I won't forget. And luckily everything is fine. My dad's in great health now. And, um, yeah, but probably the worst thing that could happen during foaling season ever. <laughs> so did you get the phone call just after Nick's go came into this world? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't even standing up yet. So, um, I mean, it was probably, it was definitely within an hour of him being born. So it, yeah. it was uneventful, his birth, but then unfortunately yeah. due to your, your dad. For you me, know. it was, yeah, absolute chaos for me. <laughs> so but it was all right. You know, like I said, it's kind of, it's funny with horses. I mean, my friends talk about it all the time. You know, there's, they're living animals. You can't not do anything with them. And especially in a thing like that, you know, it, I always say the foaling part's easy. It's everything after the foaling is way more intense. You know, you got to make sure everybody's okay. The mare's Okay everything goes as planned, they're nursing. And that's when, you know, the hard work really starts. And I was just like, I can't leave, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, but uh, like I said, there's nothing I could have really done in the other situation. But it just kind of shook me a little bit. Of course, as it would with anyone. Thankfully, your dad recovered. And thankfully, Nick's goal was in a way, uh, yeah. a straightforward fall. Could we call him that? Yeah, exactly. How, how did he develop and, and what was he like as a baby? Um, you know, he was, Cosmo always had a bit of smaller foals. Um, but as he started coming along, I mean, he really started bulking up and um, he was a bit bigger than the rest of them. Uh, his, uh, during his weanling year, or at the time that he was a weanling, I had my agent come out that I worked very closely with, Bill Reitler. He kind of evaluates everybody and... Um, he came out, looked at him, and I was like, I think this one looks pretty good. You know, I never know what he's going to say. I always just kind of am a little vague with him. He's like, we're taking this one to Keeneland. <laughs> you know, he took some pictures of him and sent them to her God who was working at uh, Windstar at the time. And, you know, we were all pretty excited about him. Um, and, yeah, I had two nice ones that year. We brought them both down to Keeneland, and they sold well. But Nick's go was really, for a Cosmos buddy, he had a lot more body to him than the other ones did. Um, so, you know, he was just a brute. Like, that's kind of what we always called him. He was always just really kind of headstrong, but um, in the nicest way possible. Uh, but, yeah, he was really fun. I won't forget him, that's for sure. 
<laughs> well, he certainly is taking you on, on the ride of, of a lifetime. What do you think makes him so special? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, it's certainly, I mean, his heart and determination, no doubt. Um, the mayor had a lot of that. So I think that definitely transfers over a bit. I mean, same thing with painter. I mean, shoot, you know, um, you know, and he's just, he's built well, he's built to last. And, but really when it comes down to it, they can have all the mechanics, but you know, they really need that heart. Um, you know, it's kind of a very, very special combination of a lot of things to go right. You know, I think to get a horse like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you were mentioning that, you know, you were doing a bit more on the commercial side, as you highlighted, you, you took him and another to Kino for the November breeding stock sale. Is that mm-hmm. hard to kind of say goodbye? And, and do you follow all of them? Of course, Nick's goal is, I guess, easy to follow because he's, you know, right there at the highest level. But I'm assuming you'll keep you keep tabs on some of the others, too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely try to, you know, it's funny, I do a lot of, you know, since I'm such a smaller operation, I mean, I do the billing, the work on the farm, the, you know, (laughs) everything pretty much. So I get really distracted. And by the time I sell them to the time they're actually doing something, you know, I'll just randomly get an Equibase, um, you know, notification. And I'm like, oh my gosh, which one's that? (laughs) But, you know, the time between, especially selling them as weanlings to Mm -hmm. when they actually start running, I mean, they're kind of easy to forget about, but, um, you know, they're just kind of on the back burner until you get that Equibase notification. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, it is definitely hard to say. I remember the first yearlings that I sold, I mean, I cried like a baby outside of the curb at Michael's after a few drinks. And, you know, but I sold them, both of them, I sold two for 30 and I was like so upset about it. And then, Somebody told me they were like, you know, Sabrina, somebody's not going to buy something for $30,000 and it treat it poorly. Like They're going to be just fine. So I, I really do. You know, everybody that's coming to these auctions, they're buying these horses with every intention that, you know, that could be their next champion. So, um, you know, I've coming, you know, to getting to know a lot of people, you know, yes, I'm definitely sad for them to leave but I'm also really excited to watch them develop into the new hands that they are you know they fall in and it's really exciting more than anything now but every once in a while I get attached to one my um tis now Philly I just sold at Timonium I absolutely loved her but her buyer I mean she's been so sweet and she'll call me and she'll send me pictures and I mean so I feel like you know you just kind of hand over the torch instead of somebody feeling like you took your horse more or less but yeah, it's 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 an interesting process, but it can be really exciting as well. I do remember you telling me that, you know, for you, it's about raising them in such a way that then whoever they go to after, they'll continue having a good life because, you know, if they got manners, they know what's what and hence giving them every opportunity to do well later on. Yeah, so I used to, my very first horse shop was I worked in a yearling barn and, um, they, well, we broke horses and the horses that would come in from the sales and the horses that would come in from the field were two totally different horses and watching how they developed and how much easier life was for them and how much better even people treated them just because they were good and well-mannered. And I mean, just, you know, it was night and day and, you know, and then too, to just see, I mean, everybody's working so hard. They just, we got to get them to where you know, they can do their jobs and just where your horses are happy too, because they know what to expect. So, um, you know, that is, that's a big thing for me is, you know, making sure that when I 
hand them on that they are ready to do, you know, they're ready to kick on and they're ready. They're tied to the wall. You can throw a tackle on them. All they need somebody to start backing them and then kick on with them pretty much. Um, but you know, and just how to learn how to, you know, be just respectful horses really. Cause, uh, I think towards the end of it, that's, they're doing what we're asking them to do. And if you can do if they're happy, they're going to do whatever we do ask them to do. So it's, you know, they're doing it for us for sure. Um, and you just gotta, I don't know. It, it, it's a, it's an interesting relationship that, you know, we all have with these horses and um, you got to make them happy so that they like doing their jobs. So, and the smoother that transition is, the better they're going to be, I think. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the, the perspective because I was working in a breaking yard and we breeze two-year-olds as well as pre-training two-year-olds. So we would get mm-hmm. the healing straight from the cell. And I agree with you that the majority of them are so much already used to doing all these things. You know, they know how to get lunged. They've already had some saddles on them. They just haven't been backed yet. And mm-hmm. that makes things so much easier as well as you know, they're these young babies, they want to work with you. So it's actually really exciting yeah. that you're there going, hey, I'm going to teach you some more. You've already been taught yeah. this, this, and this. Wonderful. Let's build on that. And they're so happy to work with you, yeah, right? Yeah, they're excited. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like kind of just making it their idea, you know? I mean, and like you said, it, you when you have willing, happy horses like that, they are, you know, they enjoy their jobs. They want to do it. Um, so I think, you know, that's a big key. And then, you know, on top of just, I love pretty horses. I like making horses <laughs> fat and pretty and happy. And <laughs> I love the nutrition part of it. I mean, it's just, it's all fun. I mean, and, um, and I always say like every full you have, is like unwrapping a Christmas present or something, you know, you, you know, it's there, but you don't know what it, what's under the paper. And when they come out, you know, sometimes they can be an absolute train wreck and then they're a huge project or, you know, it's so it's it's just fun. I don't know. I can't explain it to anybody. And somebody was arguing with me. They're like, I can't believe that people spend so much money on these broodmare prospects. And I'm like, man, if I had millions to spend, this is what I would be doing. I think it's the most exciting thing. You know, you're taking these, you know, regal mares, and you you know, you're just like playing with the crystal ball of what could and could be. You know, it's so it's really it's so much fun. I mean. I think it's really one of the best aspects of the industry and the most exciting, um, you know, racehorses got to come from somewhere. So it all starts here. Yeah. No, I love actually explaining to people that aren't in horse racing. When when you look at these foals that sometimes they, you know, they don't look great yet. Right. They look a bit scruffy and and they, Mm -hmm. you know, they're growing into themselves. And for someone that isn't in racing, they're like, are they supposed to look like that? I'm like, yes, 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 this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) So what you were saying, you, you know, you develop them and, and unwrap and, and, and show the potential, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm a big sucker for photos. I even right now have over 50,000 pictures on my iPhone. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, but, you know, I, I love doing that. Like I'll make little uh, layout um, collages of like, you know, even month by month or like year by year. And it's just, it's really fun. I mean, it's super rewarding and Sometimes there's things that are out of your control, but, you know, that's why we try to do the best we can with coming up with these matings and raising them right. Yeah. Yeah. Can we discuss a little bit more about Cosmo's body? Because I know that you had her for a little bit, but then you did tell me that, of course, you know, the commercial aspect is, you know, it's sometimes hard to make these decisions, but you did end up moving her along. Was it around Uh the time that Nick's go started to take off? Yeah, so he broke his maiden. And I think at that time, um, 
Jeez, I wish I could remember. Not much was going on in the pedigree except for Nixco. And I was running into some um, issues with her that year that I had her. She was empty. We had to give her the year off. Um, and, you know, she's getting a little older, which I've always, like, in my mind pictured, like, I was going to retire this horse and keep her forever. But it was at that weird time of year, like, before we could start selling yearlings and money's getting a little tight. And, yeah. you know, um, somebody called me to buy her. And I was like, you know, this might get, be my last chance at actually selling this horse. You know, even if this go breaks his maiden and, God forbid, even if he gets injured or, you know, doesn't want a stake. Or even if he just wins a stake and nothing else, you know, that's not going to completely add to her value a whole, whole lot. So, um, I was just in a weird position at the time and I was like, you know what, this just feels right. Um, but I really, I didn't want to sell her ass like three people if I should do it. And like two out of the three said yes. And I was like, Oh, I better just do it. Um, so hindsight's 2020, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I sold her after he broke his maiden. Um, wish I would have held on to her for a little longer, but you know, you get put into some weird positions when, um, you know, you try, well, and actually I'm coming to find out if you sell the mare, um, nine or not nine times out of 10, actually right now, I sold the two that I've sold already that I didn't want to sell have become, have well, almost created stakes producers. So <laughs> it, maybe that's the kiss of death for me. I might, you guys might never see me selling another mare again. <laughs> no. I mean, look, if I had money, I would be buying up all the all the exciting new brood mares as well. I think I just yeah, and that's just that yeah, and it sucks when you're trying to run it like a business. You know, you just have to kind of make this. And you know, I'm in yeah. the business of selling horses. You know, it mm-hmm. it's kind of just uh, timing's everything. And I mean, it's no doubt that he was a you know freak of the family and really outran his pedigree. But um, you know, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's horse racing. It's not easy, and I think you already highlight, you know, some of the ups and lows as well that come with it, right? So, right, yeah. this must be great to have a flag bearer like Nick's go to maybe help you through some of the days or months that things aren't going as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, definitely makes the late nights and early mornings a lot better. And it's you know, it's funny just thinking about how long ago it was till you know his feet hit the ground, you know, I mean, it's been, that's the one thing about breeding that I always, you know, when people start to get into it, I have to remind them how long it takes for you to see a reward. If you do, you know, I mean, it really, you got to be in it with the long haul and, you know, you can't be short-sighted and it takes a long time and a lot of money and, um, a lot of perseverance. Like you just got to keep kicking on with it. Cause it's not like you can claim one and run it back in a month, you know, and just kind of see how it works out. Um, it takes a long time and a lot of patience. Yeah, no, and, and I know it doesn't, I don't think any aspect of the industry is easy, but yes, breeding wise, it does. Yeah. Take a bit longer before you see if, if something is panning out in, in the first place. Right. Yeah. And let's right. uh, discuss the fact that for the Maryland breads, this was quite the banner day. I mean, there were two yeah. Maryland breads running. Aloha West. Oh, I was so excited. In the I had to literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. And then, of course, Nick's go, and both won their races, uh-huh. which is just yeah. absolutely incredible. That must make you proud as well. Yeah, it really did. And actually, I like really look up to Katie Voss. I mean, they run such a tight ship over at Chance Land. 
their horses always look the best. I mean, they do such a good job. I mean, ever since I started really getting into the business, like they were kind of one of my, I always had my eyes on chance land. I mean, they just do such an amazing job. And I'm like, I want my horses to look like that. Like I've always used them as an example. Um, but so it was really cool to even kind of like, you know, be in, you know, the same class as them per se. But, um, yeah, when that horse won, it was so funny. I was videotaping it, and I had to mute it because I was screaming, like probably more than for next go because I was so excited. I couldn't believe that. That was such a cool race. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it really just shows, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people want – look, I love Kentucky. It's great. But really, I mean, I think it just – it can happen to anybody anywhere. So, um, and, you know, Maryland is panning out not to be a bad spot either. Oh, clearly they've done they've done pretty well. Yeah, that was such a tight finish uh, with Doctor Shivel as well and Aloha West. Right, that was really came down to it. Yeah, that was one of my favorite races of the day, aside from the classic. <laughs> I was to say, I'm assuming that the classic might be yeah. one that you'll relive for many years to come. Yeah, they would definitely will. So before I let you go, of course, you were mentioning that you were at the sales. Uh, what's next for you? Are, are you going to go back to Maryland now? Or what does your schedule look like? Because I know that, you know, all the big yearling sales are coming up now as well. Yeah. So um, I have a consignment in December. So I've had a great crew of people at the farm. They're still holding down the fort up there. Um, so I got to go back um, to Maryland, going to look over some horses, make sure everybody's going right. Um, I actually have to come back to Kentucky and then I'm going to shop in the later books at um, Keeneland for a pinhook prospect and then um, head home, do the December sale. And then I think I'm rolling on to um, foaling season after that. So maybe I'll be home for a little bit. I'm hoping more than two weeks at a time, pretty much since like Saratoga, it's been absolute chaos, (laughs) but it's been really fun. I definitely, I know it won't be happening again, probably anytime soon. So I'm living it up while I can. I mean, could you ever have dreamed of one of your horses winning the Breeders' Cup Classic? No, absolutely not. Like one of my New Year's resolutions this year was, I was like, okay, I'm going to take more time off from the farm because I used to be really, um, you know, kind of anal about it. You know, if I left, it was only for, you know, maybe a day or a day and a half. I mean, I just really, it would, you know, just kill me to leave. And I was like, you know, there's, it's not rocket science. You know, There's plenty of good people out there. They can do just as good of a job as I can. Um, so I was like, I just need to learn how to just, you know, relax a little bit and just go have fun. Um, and you know, so be it next go. I mean, he actually was the one that, you know, I couldn't miss these things. So he kind of forced me to do it. I'd be dumb if I didn't go. So (laughs) he made it really easy this year. So in a way you have been able to adhere to your New Year's resolution because of Nick's go and going ever. Because I remember you were also there for his Whitney victory in Saratoga and of course Breeders' Cup Classic. Which other races were you present for? Um, I did that one. What else did I do? Actually, you know what? I mean, now you're making me seem like I didn't really do that much this summer. <laughs> Clearly, did I saw you in both places? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I did go to Keeneland one. Oh, I went to Keeneland one weekend, but nobody was running that I knew. It was just kind of for fun. Oh, no, never mind. It wasn't. I was selling a horse, too. So, I don't know. You know, it's okay. I'm, I'm making business trips, per se, but um, <laughs> I'm still leaving the farm. That's all that matters. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was about it. Where else did he run? It was the Whitney... What was before the Whitney? I think I went somewhere before the Whitney. Um, he oh. ran down in Prairie uh, the Meadows Met Mile. In Corn, to, the yeah. Cornhusker, the Met Mile. Yeah. 
Saudi? I don't think you were in Saudi, but maybe. I didn't do that, but it started with Pegasus. So I went to Pegasus, then I went to the Met Mile, then I went to the Whitney, and then I went um, to... Where was I? Yeah, he was I a, guess California. He ran the Lucas Classic before going to Delta. Yeah, I didn't well. go there. Yeah. That, I watched that from the OTB at Timonium. <laughs> that was fun. That was during the yearling sale. Uh, yeah, that was a good time. So talking about New Year's resolutions, do, do you have any coming up then for, for next year? What, what are the goals still here? Um, well, you know what? I'm coming up with all of our meetings right now to read back for next year. I'm really excited about that. Um they're not really New Year's resolutions, but I guess looking forward to the future per se. Um, looking not to partner with some people to buy a couple more mares and get them in full. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much about it. I, you know, it's going to be sad. I'm like not looking forward to Pegasus more because, you know, Mexico is, you know, obviously going to be done. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be a kind of weird uh, turning the page, I guess, after this is all over. I mean, it's kind of been a constant, you know, for the past how many years for now that he's been actually running or no, I guess. Yeah, about four. Um, so I don't know. It, it's going to it's going to be weird and I'll probably be bored for a long time. But at least I have a lot of memories to look back on until hopefully I get another big horse. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to top next go, but, um, you know, so, something to keep you going during the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been incredible what he's done for, for you and your career. And I just wanted to touch upon uh, your family's involvement, because, of course, you're a co-breeder mm -hmm. with your mother, Angie Moore. Uh, what does it mean to them and how are they involved in the operation? Yeah, so I have three other siblings that don't do anything with the horses, but, you know, they're equally excited because they know how important it is to me. Um, and then my mom, she's always been a big fan of horses and, you know, she's the one that got, you know, the ball rolling with us, you know, getting into the racehorses and buying the mares and, uh, things like that. But then, you know, when things started to kick on and get a little more serious, um, you know, she wasn't, she, she's never been too involved in the barn. I mean, it's a lot, you know, these horses are nuts. <laughs> she's not really up to par with that, but, um, you know, she does a lot of the books and, um, keeps a lot of things tight there so um but you know she, it's always been her dream she's you know loved the horses and you know this was you know her vision to begin with um and it was just you know like I said convenient for me to kind of kick on and take it over um but so it's really important to her and so it's been a lot of fun it's tough working with your family as you can imagine but especially with somebody like you know mm -hmm. your mom and me and my family are so close so we're all very brutally honest with each other constantly so that's been a lot of fun but um yeah we we've had a great time and it's been special being able to do it with her that's for sure I guess there's challenges to working with family but on the flip side being able to share it with them must be terrific yeah Exactly. I mean, we're fighting over who gets the trophies, but other than that, <laughs> it's not <the> <laughs> uh, no, we're all right. There's enough to share at the moment, so I, we can each get a Breeders' Cup trophy. So we we can we can deal with that. That's incredible. First I've... world first world problems over here. <laughs> I feel like on that note, we we can close out the show here. Thank you so yeah. much, Sabrina. Really appreciate it and. Of course, uh, onwards and upwards. And I, I do mean it. I'd love to see Nick's go for one final swan song, uh, defending his crown in the Pegasus World Cup. Yeah, me too. That would be something else. And I mean, like I said, it's even I've said it before, he, you know, started 
win the starting gate before you can't take anything away from him at this point, regardless of what happens there. So, but like you said, one more gallant effort would be amazing just to watch him go out on top and hopefully kick on and um, have an amazing stallion career. Indeed. That would be his next chapter, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sabrina. No problem. Thanks so much. One of the young and up and coming breeders i've had the pleasure of visiting Greenman farm in maryland what a wonderful facility now, of course i was there at the breeders cup i'd never been to del mar before what a gorgeous spot for a race course you know all the cliches about where the surf meets the turf and all that well you know what i liked it i loved it close to the beach I love walking by the beach there's lots of bars and restaurants and and the track itself is just absolutely gorgeous that parade ring I'm sure if you haven't been you've seen pictures of it I'm I did so I was very glad to actually see it for myself very fortunate as well to do a fair bit of social media for in the money media as well as British Cup and then I was able uh, to share some of my knowledge uh, overseas as well with racing tv uh, back in England so that was a lot of fun I haven't get the chance to work with some of the people that I knew from my internship whilst I was still uh, on the Godolphin Flying Star as well so really terrific trip I, I can't say anything bad I hope I get the chance to come back for maybe you know a couple of days during the Del Mar meet I know it's a big uh, comparison with Saratoga and I'm sure that if I spend you know the full length of the meet here I um yeah, I might just want to stay. I mean, I love the West Coast. I like the climate. I love, you know, the whole kind of relaxed atmosphere. Just wish it wasn't so expensive to live there. Okay, on that note, <laughs> we do have a stake race coming up again here at Laurel Park this weekend, uh, as well as Thanksgiving week. And best of all, so we didn't do this last year. Did it the year before. And I didn't get the chance to get one, but on Thanksgiving Day, there's this huge pie giveaway. And I've been told that the pumpkin pie is absolutely incredible. So you get those if you buy a program and then you can queue up and grab one. And I've only had pumpkin pie once in my entire life. I've never made one myself. I did make a Dutch apple pie just now, actually, for anyone that was interested. Um, <laughs> so I really want to go and grab one because especially with Thanksgiving, that's what you're supposed to eat. I'm not that familiar with the holiday that's Thanksgiving. So I am working. Um, we'll be celebrating Friendsgiving the night before as well, which I'm very much looking forward to. So I guess a lot of firsts. So if you have any comments on what you should do on Thanksgiving, do hit me up on social media. And if you're ever popping around at Laurel Park, uh, do come say hello as well. We've got plenty of uh, fun stuff coming your way with a fair bit of stakes action. And I guess that's uh, that's it for now. Um, we're all relaxed and, and kind of, you know, allowed ourselves to recuperate from a busy British Cup week, which it truly was. And that's it for me for this week. I will be back again next week. Do let me know if you enjoyed the show. And of course, if you have any suggestions or possible guests that you'd love me to have a, a chat with, do reach out to me uh, on social media as well. I'm at Naomi Tucker on Twitter. That's N-A-O-M-I. And then Tucker's T-U-K-E-R. 
So that is Tango, Uniform, Kilo, Kilo, Echo, Romeo. Yes, I learned the phonetic alphabet for just for that, guys. All right, have a good week.